Hello and welcome to Polyhedron, your multifaceted podcast for everything RPG related. I am your host, Matthew, and I got my two friends in two little black boxes, Ryan and Scott. There was a there was a time where we weren't in the black boxes. We're not. It seems close yet far. Yeah. <laughs> How close can two people actually get? It, regardless, uh, those were the times before, and now they are becoming the times now, which is a good thing. Indeed. Uh, as I said, uh, when we saw each other, we're, we're waxed, waxed, and, and ready to. I haven't figured out the third one yet. <laughs> <laughs> nope. We sh- and we never did. We never <laughs> did, and we never should, really, because it, it won't go anywhere good. None. Won't go good at all. Well, I'm glad. Yes, if you couldn't tell, audience, we were actually able to hang out and be people together. And, and we didn't turn it into content for you, so. Nope. Man, no, yeah, that no, was all this, for us. It, it was for us. It was for us. It was for us. Doesn't mean we won't talk about some of the things that happened, but regardless, yeah, we played, we played games so we can have new opinions on things. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. it's crazy. Uh, the only reason we're not like in studio, going back to that old way of doing things, is unfortunately my setup has changed, and it's just more convenient to do it via Zoom. I mean, also, yeah, I, I, this is much more convenient for me. Too. Yeah, yeah. No one has to, more convenient I don't have to put on pants. Yeah, no one has to put on pants if they don't want to. I get to enjoy Scott's really sweet-ass pixel art cyberpunk background. But anyways, let's move right along. Scott, how's your gaming been? Uh, Pretty pretty dry. Not much of it. Um, uh, Scion, Curse of Strahd, really much the only things I'm playing in. Uh, but we did play some games on Saturday. Yes, we did. Uh, yes, one we of did. which was we we took us a little bit figuring it out, but it turned out being really goddamn fun, which was uh, Vampire the Masquerade Vendetta. Vendetta, mm-hmm. which is kind of a kind of a card deck building card board game kind of thing mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Uh, was pretty goddamn good. There were cards yeah. and boards. It mm-hmm. represented what we all walked away going. That represented vampire politics in a board game format mm-hmm. fairly well. Like just the idea of like getting each of the un- clans in their unique approach to things displayed on the board. Well, I mean, I, I think the, the, the narrative device is that everyone's decided to, to like fuck up the prince and take take the city for themselves. Right. Uh, because it, it sort of builds in its action. Uh, you know, you're, you're trying to take various locations in the city, which grants you, uh, you know, allies uh, that you can make a part of your, your crew. Uh, and it, it all culminates at the Prince's Haven. And there are various aspects of the mechanic that all sort of push you towards making that final confrontation at the Prince's Haven the craziest part of the game. Yes, yes. Where most yes. people have most of their things. But that's not the only way to win, though, as we showcase. There are other ways to, if you play your cards right, you can do very well for yourself without having necessarily to to show down at the Prince's Haven. I mean, I won that showdown twice. And, Son uh, of a bitch. And, and I won the game, so... Yeah, true. Hey, I'm not saying that's not a good strategy. What I'm also, I'm also saying... I came back from pretty much being in last mm-hmm. to to third, like yeah. in one turn. So, uh, but then Linda, who didn't win that many uh, many uh, many encounters and not n- none of the big ones, was behind me by one point. Yes, 
Well, you know, I will say that I have it. It does a very, very good job of representing vampire. Mm -hmm. Not all the abilities are very balanced, too. Well, it, it's I, not. Yeah, because here, as the person who played the Ventru, the Ventru's power, they have like one raw power move mm -hmm. and then everything else is just taxing everybody. But there's a certain point in the game where those taxes no longer really matter that much, in my opinion. Like the taxes aren't so high that I could never inflict so much on everybody that it would true. Like one time I almost made Scott frenzy or I made him yeah. leave or frenzy, mm -hmm. but I never was able to be like, everything else is just like, Ooh, I stole one influence. Well, yes. The game was one by one influence, but mm -hmm. not for me. Well, that's another thing about the game is that you're, you're not going to go, you're not going to get your entire deck in a playthrough. Yeah. yeah. There are other cards that that will come up in other playthroughs just because of the deck that is shuffled. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I also as my last draw in the last round, you you do you pick two cards from the deck and you you draw two cards on deck, pick one, mm -hmm. right, and then you put the one you don't choose on the bottom. The two I got as my last pull were the two basic cards. Ah uh, yeah. shit, yeah. I got yeah. hunt and ready as my two cards, and I'm like. This is not what I need right now. Right, right, right. I needed well, something interesting. I, I loved the strategy that I that I was able to pull off with the Malkavian uh, because it, it's a it's very much a what the fuck just happened mm -hmm. maneuver. Uh, yep. Uh, which basically it, it's it lets you play all of your cards, use all the powers, and then you have like a card that says. And, and because you can choose the order in which you apply these powers, the last card that I played that I activated was the turn all of your cards over, and now they're worth like a good chunk of power. Yep. No yes. matter what, what they were worth before. More than so, any most other cards' power. I'll yeah, say that. Yeah, exactly. Somehow they're worth just suddenly all a large amount of power. Well, right? that's great because you were playing the Malkavian and that yeah. made you obsess about one location. Yes. And if you could do that, you could you could win that location handily. But if you had to split your forces, true. That wouldn't have been as effective. Well, also I I love the I love the like the 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 narrative image that it paints. Yes. Of like, yes, gentlemen, I have laid out all of my maneuvers, but you have forgotten one thing. I am cuckoo for fucking cocoa puffs. <laughs> It's just like the like the tie gets straightened, <laughs> like everything is perfectly in its place, and then I go fucking bug nuts on everyone. Yeah, the uh, the every clan is well represented in how they approach the game. The balance of the game is that each clan does a particular thing very well. Like Linda was the Torador, her thing was the more she had in her alliance that mm -hmm. was active the more power she could bring to bear at any given moment. And she was very, very good at gathering people. Yes. And all her cards are designed around gathering even normal people, even like people that aren't worth a whole lot. But if she gets enough of them, she has an army at her side. Mm -hmm. Whereas the Bruja are like, can punch you in the face and make you pay for it every step of the way. And in the NOS was even more interesting because it was very tactical. It's like, oh, I'll show up. Oh, I don't like what's going on. I'm going to leave and just mm -hmm. leave to go someplace else and keep myself out of harm's way, which was perfect. And come in with a haymaker. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, it's very good. I want to play more of it so that I can see more iterations of of what's in the various decks and see I how they play the Gangrel deck. Oh yeah, that's I that one had, is nasty. I wish I had paid as you guys were going through the Gangrel deck. Mm -hmm. I was like, man, I could have uh, I could have picked Gangrel. We had enough people <laughs> to play every clan, but one of them that was provided, which was the Gangrel one. We read the Gangrel cards, and the Gangrel cards are very interesting once you know the game because it's all about manipulating your own blood and being like maximizing your resources mm -hmm. and there there are there are variant modes that bring in like um modifications on locations and like vampire relics uh and there's also a team mode where you sense. uh you split you basically split the party and and you, you three of you work together i'd 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 be down for trying all of that because yeah, it's extremely it, it, funny. I, I have a feeling that no matter what happens, the yeah. last round always leads to a hot night at the Prince's. Oh yeah, hot night, hot, hot night. night. <laughs> yeah, it, it was the last, the last round of last. Basically, every like four of the six of us were all just piling cards on the Prince's Haven, trying to get the last person because the Prince's Haven gives you a whole bunch of bonuses if you win. I didn't give a shit who it was. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't give a shit. Like it's like, well. He's a high value target because he just gives a lot of juice. Mm -hmm. yep. But regardless, moving right along, Ryan, we kind of know some of your gaming because you were there yes. playing board games. It happened. It happened. I played some Gloom too. That a very night, short game of Gloom, which was fun. Yeah, Gloom mm -hmm. was also fun. Uh, yes. Uh, well, I finished Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, like the actual. My 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 children they they burned they burned the 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 scroll of Tarask summoning. Ooh. Good on them. <laughs> they were just like, can we just burn a, a magical scroll? I'm like, yes, it's yep. just a magical scroll. It's a, yep. it's, it's some parchment with ink on it. Yep. Just because the words on it summon the terrible thing doesn't make it any less destructible. <laughs> yep. Uh, so they torched that one. Uh, stole the, got the staff of power, did all the things, chose not to travel back in time uh, to before the fall of the city. Because you can totally do that. Nice. Yeah, it's one they don't they don't bring that one up much, but <laughs> they do give a little in the back of the book. It's like so if your characters just somehow manage to get this staff of power and dump all the charges into this into this obelisk that's meant to be the reset switch on the city, if something goes wrong, here's what happens. Mm. And yeah, you do. They get dropped in like the year like negative two hundred. DR and it's like, well, you live here now. Sorry. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Here's some crazy. stuff that's going on in this time that they would might be familiar with. But uh I wish to play a very different game now. I want to play a very different Forgotten Realms game. Mm -hmm. well, I mean that's mm -hmm. an interesting thing. Like you can you can focus that game on all right. Well, now we can stop things from getting as bad as they were. Uh yeah. Uh lots of things get stopped. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I don't know how they didn't, they never, you know, there's nothing in the Forgotten Realms book on whether time's linear in, uh, in, the, yeah. in the Forgotten Realms or if uh, they're multiversal or, you know, are we doing, are we on Back to the Future rules? Chronomancy <laughs> is not a thing they barely touch on in the Forgotten Realms ever. Well, there's very little uh, doing time stuff except stopping it briefly. That's yes. Yeah. Even gods yeah. don't really just rewind time. Things usually go, time usually flows linearly yep. in the Forgotten Realms. So, so that now you're, so from what you told ass. me, 
you are off the book now. So you are running your game. Oh, yes. I have a map that I spent five hours in Incarnate making, and I have a, a dungeon. It's a fully fleshed out dungeon with traps and monsters, all yeah. the tonic horrors, the likes of which you've never seen. Lots mm-hmm, of thing mm-hmm, style mm-hmm. grossness. And I even have like a legendary monster with lair actions and, you know, weird, unique mechanics. It's a multi. See, they already had fun with the multi phase boss fight. Uh, you know, because after beating the Demi Lich, then immediately fighting all three of Oral's phases and surviving, they're a little cocky. So I'm really hoping to knock their shit in a little <laughs> bit on this one and make them sweat mm-hmm. <laughs> with a with a monster that has like chunks of it, like it has multiple HP pools, and breaking them removes certain lair actions and certain legendary actions. That's, cool. That's a neat have. idea. And, yeah, so I figured they'll like that. Also, it's radiation based. So all of it does radiation damage, which is acid and radiant damage. Oh, neat. That's cool. You're a multi-type it. Oh, yeah. Well, it does one. No, no. I mean, they're usually separate. I don't, I'm not going to do multi because the rules are not really existing. You're not going to 4E it? No, I'm not going to 4E it, but no, like, no. But when I do radiation, quote unquote, damage to you, you are taking both X amount of acid and X amount of radiant damage. Yeah, yeah. You're taking two smaller pools of this damage. Yeah, so like it has a pretty nasty. Or anyway, I, I'm not gonna say it to talk about. Listen to my game. Listen to my game for. Yeah, yeah, no. it was really a lot of fun for my gaming. Uh, pretty much st- standard. Uh, going over character sheets for Atomic Youth. That's a lot of fun. Uh, they did the uh, got to listen to the session zeros of both of them. The groups are very interesting. This is going to end very poorly for everyone. Oh yeah, uh, fantastic. And not a lot of heavy hitters, so this is gonna be fun. <laughs> yeah uh the as for other gaming uh not much for me other than i mean i play board games been painting my minis all that fun stuff um so i'm gonna move right along into the, some more news not much uh the biggest thing probably on everyone's radar is on the 18th van Richten's guide lands you are. Uh, which is basically a basically a week from recording um, a little less than a week once this episode's released. Um, it looks really uh, good so far. So, Ryan, I'm, I'm wondering if you have plans to send your dudes into demiplanes. Yes. <laughs> because I'm not, you know, I'm I'm creative, but I'm not, like, that creative. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm, I may eventually pick it up, but I have no, personally, I have no, like, desire for it. I'm not running a game like Ryan is. Yeah, so running... gather seven seven sacred artifacts from seven terrible demiplanes and punch the nuts of seven terrible mummies. Seven terrible mummies. No, wow. nothing so nothing so simplistic. Of course, there or would gauche. have to be some sort of existential horror in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there could, there could be some mummy nut punching. Oh, I mean, don't I have known exactly what the final, like, who the final bad guy in my campaign is. I've known, like, well into, like, before they ever started, I know what they're going to end up doing at around level 20. And boy, are they going to fucking hate me. <laughs> but it's going to, because it's going to get gross. Uh, in other news, uh, so D&D is doing D&D Live this year, but they're doing something a little bit different. Uh, this generally takes place in July. This year is going to be July 16th and the 17th. Uh, they're teaming up and with the re- with the relaunch of G4. Everybody remember that? Yeah, like, yeah, oh. I, I heard that's around. Really? 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not just that that sh- that that channel where you can watch cops all day, you know. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, that's funny you say that because uh, they have a little prom- like promotion about like, hey, D and D live. This is why we're doing it, and then G four has to like explain what they are and one of the things. And we're doubling down on the reruns of Cops and Cheaters, and I'm like, your quality. <laughs> wait, they're, wait, they're saying that, but not like, but they're not joking. Like, I no, thought that sounds like, like they're joking. That doesn't. From- from what I've read, right. nope. Oh, for fuck's sake. Uh, hey, like it's that. probably free. It's probably the cheapest it's... content they can put out there. I mean, but I'm just saying, like, Wizards of the Coast, y'all can, like, y'all can, like, partner up with someone real, though. Like, y'all could partner up with, like, an actual channel for adults. We'll, we'll see how well it goes. It, it's Not probably, vomiting it's... propaganda everywhere. Well, it's, it's probably just a situation of, like, we need somebody that will pay attention to us and that we can easily marry ourselves to. And we don't have to deal with all of the sort of broadcasting aspect of it, which is very extensive. That's. And who who knows, maybe, maybe this will help them get a leg up into actually, oh, like, you if, know, if, if television for gamers, quote unquote, became like, Hey, let's just like, let's just do live plays of tabletop role-playing games on, like, broadcast, on, like, cable mm-hmm. television. That would be our fucking revolution. Yep. It's like, I, I'm still waiting for the for the role-playing leagues. Oh, yeah, the fantasy RPG, like, fa- fantasy football-style RPGs. I'm down for it. Yeah, fantasy football RPG. I I, I hope that the uh, the idea that I heard uh, from from uh, Jerry Tolkien's from Penny Arcade, I hope that eventually manifests because that actually sounded pretty cool. Yes, uh, unfortunately, I think COVID like shot. No, yeah, COVID, right COVID knocked out everyone's plans. Yeah. everyone's plans for anything got got knocked the fuck out. Uh, and some other minor news, uh, more D and D news because that's all that's out right now. Is uh, we got to see the card art and card stats for Tiamat in the new uh, Ventures in the Forgotten Realms Magic uh, t- expansion. It looks really wicked. It's cool. Yeah, we're gonna see Xanathar. We're gonna see a lot of the very notable creatures and personas that we've all grown to uh, know and love from the Forgotten Realms. Yeah, apparently, like the actual because our our you know praise be to andrew our gm for uh for mad mage he's a you know he loves magic the gathering and apparently you know he actually engages with that that community and they're really divided over the inclusion of forgotten realm <laughs> stuff in their in their little you know in the, was it theros yeah, yeah, yeah their theros. world well well they should have fucking seen it coming well it, like uh, Ravnica is also there. I mean, yeah. Ravnica, I mean, that's true. When yeah, they Ravnica's did Theranos and, and Ravnica in D&D, they should have seen it coming. I know, but they were just like, I guess they treat their, they have their precious baby. I don't well, know, man. I just read an article that like a vast majority of the profits made from like 2020 for Hasbro is all from Watsi. It's all from Wizards. Yep. So yeah, of yeah. course they're going to try to make as much money as they can off that. Now I'm I'm gonna date myself because I remember playing the D and D style, the D and D card game Spellfire. Ooh, Spellfire! I remember. Oh, oh I, man! I mean, that's... I know I read the book Spellfire. I don't no, know. There, I didn't know there was it, a card. It was game. a CCG based in D and I played that for a little bit. It was all right. I remember what. There was a CCG renaissance at one point. Well, not a renaissance so much as like there was a glut of them. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was when, you know, you had, had the Pokemans and the Yu-Gi-Oh's and the, 
long long about when i was 18 there was like a million new like mm-hmm. yeah because everyone saw what magic was doing and where they were trying to hook right into it like there was a street fighter ccg that was kind of fun yep uh oh yeah I, there was one more news thing that i thought was pretty i mean they're they're i'm sure that anyone who cares about this stuff knows that world of darkness is getting and scion are getting tv adaptations yep, yep. yep. tv yep. and film uh, uh which I'm very excited about the World of Darkness one because the pedigree behind it, like the projects that the, that the people who are who have gotten that license behind, like there's a lot of them, but the one that like they they did the Expanse. Yep. Like yeah. they're the, the people behind right. the World of Darkness films and TVs that are in the works are behind the Expanse. I believe the author of Shat of the Shadow and Bone series that just came out and the Six of Crows. Lee Bardugo, I believe she's also somehow involved in one of them, and I really enjoy her her take on like you know fantasy stuff. Shadow and Bone, by the way, was a pretty good show. Mm-hmm. Pretty good show. Uh, pretty good show. The only thing I heard about that it, it had some Orientalism in it. Yeah, but so does the book. I mean, yeah. not really. I didn't. It as much as there are Asian people in it. I don't know. <laughs> like, right. Well, regardless, I'm interested to see what they do because if they do have such a good pedigree. It makes sense that a lot of people really want to work on a project like that because it probably inspired a lot of, like, the world of art has probably inspired mm-hmm. a lot of authors and writers and, and just creatives in from their years of growing up in role-playing. Yep, it's a huge touchdown. And um, the latest Onyx Pathcast has, has officially gotten me hype for Exalted Essence. Yeah, you were telling me about this. I need to sit down and listen. I haven't listened to it. It yet. is, they, they, they talk about stuff. They like, here's how, like, they, they do a very thorough overview about the mechanics that they use and how they're approaching um, sort of doing a one, one version of all of the Exalted books. And it sounds pretty cool. Um, they say like the, the the sort of the touchstone that they talked about was that it's about as complicated as Chronicles of Darkness mechanically. Oh, that would make things infinitely easier yeah. to manage. Uh, and they've they've slimmed down a lot of stuff, and like just the the overall philosophy of like there's sort of a you have sort of your your template base exalt. You are an like, exalt. You're you are on exalt, and this is how exalts function. Period. Um, but your your exalt type and your cast are like add-ons that either build up or modify that base template. Good. Uh, so that, you know, in general, mostly mechanically speaking, every exalt type is about on even footing with another, um, but there are things that make different exalt types unique and, you know, that, that, that build a, a power differential in the nitty gritty of it makes managing a group like that much easier mm-hmm. i'm looking forward to it because then you can have the group of hey everyone play whatever anime trope you want because mm-hmm. this is essentially anime the rpg because everyone is basically on the same footing and you can all be special snowflakes with your own weird powers have fun yeah i'm looking forward to that it's cute yeah, it's very cool. And the last little bit of news that I, I just got found out about today, which uh, I will definitely put a link in the show notes, uh, like I always do, which is something called Link or LARPing in Color. It is a uh, sort of a private, uh, like publicly funded um, group that seeks to help LARPs 
and uh, and organizations uh, diversify uh, and have better representation. Uh, but part of the money that goes into Link also helps LARPs defer the cost if they need to purchase consultants or something. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it creates this environment of trying to make LARP, the LARP environment more inclusive, which I thought was quite fascinating. That's cool. Yeah, uh, it's that very cool. That's a very good thing to do. Although my brain went to a terrible place, which is like, what is it like, busing? I don't get it. Like the concept of like, okay, so back when, when desegregation was happening, a uh, big initiative uh, was of literally, um, it was they called it busing because they sent buses out to other districts yeah. to bring in uh, students of color oh, into, yeah, yeah, into yeah. white schools, essentially. Oh, uh, no, nothing that overt. I think I told you, I told you my brain went to a bad place. By the way, Joe Biden uh, was against it. Uh, <laughs> always hold his feet to the fire. Yep. He's better than he's better than the other guy, but always hold his feet to the fire. Yep. But regardless, I'll have the link in the show notes so you can get all the cool details. If you want to donate, donate. Um, I'm going to look into this a lot more. I think this is very interesting. Um, and I'm going to make sure I understand it a lot more. But regardless, we're going to move on to the main topic. Aha! Oh, crap. What's the main topic? I don't know. You came up with it, man. You're going to have to lead us like baby Surprise, ducklings. motherfuckers. It's about Orientalism. <laughs> Strap in, yeah, motherfuckers. That... We're going to talk about nuts. We're no, not. that's that's exactly what we should be talking about. I'm shaking my head no, just so everyone understands. Uh, no, uh, actually, I had the idea for this. I thought it would be interesting. I, I always come up with like random ideas, and I shoot them in front of the guys, which is uh, where does the story or what is the story in a role-playing game? Um, let me give you some background on why I came up with this weird question. Please this highfalutin do. Please, question. yes. Is the idea of, so you have, you typically, uh, you have a GM. GM's like, all right, I have an idea for a story. I'm going to tell a story. It's like, are you really telling a story because your story can change? based on the actions of the players, assuming you're not completely ironclad railroading them to the tracks, your story is not necessarily your story. It is the group's story. And to the point to some people, some people in the gamosphere, um, look at the idea that the story is actually not what the GM or even one player or the group brings. It is Oh, it is a story is created in hindsight. The story is created in the past behind you. It is the game that you have played through. That is actually the story you tell with all the ups and lows and downs. Sure. You can orchestrate certain things to happen, but ultimately you can't, no one, no player, no GM can plan for everything and have, uh, have be exactly on the ball all the time. So the story is actually something that's made in aggregate and you can only appreciate it when you're done with it. I agree with you. Next topic. <laughs> yeah, no, it's no. Yeah. I, yeah. It's all fun. That seems, that's actually seems like a pretty sound way to think about it. Let's move on. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I have other topics. So give me a second, guys. I'll be right back. All right. So this was a rapid fire. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go through, by the way, we're going to be off for like three months. We're going to do five shows right now. <laughs> uh, Matt, I just need you to vomit out ideas and we'll tell you whether they're right or not. <laughs> <laughs> go, go wide. No wrong answers. <laughs> go wide. No wrong answers. There's no bad ideas in a brainstorming session.
But yeah, I mean, I like that. I like that as a way to think about it. I, I mean, because mm-hmm. I mean, we can for if anyone is not like have hasn't experienced this. I mean, that's what war stories are. That's what mm-hmm. the war stories are all about, man. Those are that's the story right there. Like, there's gonna be parts of the games that no one fucking remembers. Like, mm-hmm. but there's gonna be stuff that you talk about for ten years. You know, it's mm-hmm. and you'll know which ones hit the hardest and hit the most. Yep. I mean, like, uh, you know, when you have the opportunity to have like the rare completed campaign, um, yeah, that story does sort of become a mythology and in, into and of itself. And you know where this really applies the most of all mm-hmm. in live action role playing games. Absolutely. It does. Yeah, because, you know, I went out with friends to a place who we were all vaccinated and we'd all waited two whole weeks and we all did all the right things and did the good stuff. And we were all LARP, and it's all LARP friends. And we were telling some old, we were telling fun old stories just to kind of get ourselves excited for the prospect that we're going to be allowed to do our favorite fucking hobby again soon. And, you know, it's just like these little moments that are just like two or three characters where, yeah, sometimes people on the plot staffs of the games were involved, but most of the time they weren't. It oh, was mostly yeah, just like- fun and fun and funny interactions like the one time me and Andrew fucked off from someone's retirement that was very not entertaining for us. And because the staff noticed that we had done so just sent zombies, like everyone who was not involved in the retirement was just zombies and attacking the two of us. And me and Andrew fought 60. We killed 60 zombies duo only just running in circles around the tavern. And what a memory that was. (laughs) (laughs) It was yep. it was lovely. Yeah, and that's it's sort of where where I kind of just was like realizing in my own perspective of running a game and how games are run and going having a lot of pressure about like as a GM going I have to come up with a story, I have something I need to have something to say and then realizing no you ne- don't necessarily have to have that. You can go, I have a scenario, I have an idea, I'm going to move. And the meaning of the story that you're telling will come out of the interactions with the players. like Yeah, and the choices what, that they made. Yeah, what decisions they made and wh- how you react to what they're doing. And then the the down the spiral it goes from there. Yeah, I've got a three-way choice coming up for, for my little, my little Warforged Warlock friend. Uh, he's going to get to pick a new one. Uh, a new patron pretty soon because I'm gonna take his away from him forever. And, oh no! Uh, it's he's an asshole. Don't worry about it. <laughs> the, the patron, okay. not the guy. The guy's nice. Okay, but, I was like, but it's gonna be like I'm gonna put a I'm gonna throw a, a, a weird one in there. Uh-huh. Like I'll be like, okay, so you've got you can do the same old, same old. You can pick this new weird thing that I made up and it's pretty cool, or you can choose Levistus, the god of uh, you know the. The Prince of Hell, because he's around too. The Prince of Hell is Case in Ice, I think. In Case in Ice, yes. Yeah, the, yeah. He's of the Sixth guy. Layer or whatever. Of kind yeah. of nice. It's like, yeah, you want it. And he might. It's like, he could choose Levisus. Uh, I don't fucking slight know. Slight segue, because we were talking about stories and the narrative and everything. Warlocks are kind of, for D&D, kind of like narrative cheating, because they instantly yep. have like a hook, a plot um, element. I have more than, I have many a time in my life played a Warlock. And had absolutely zero interaction with anything greater than myself over the course of a game. It's not a requirement. No, like, it's not. It's, you know, you should as a GM. It's it's very hard when someone picks something that has like 
but so, sometimes you're allowed to just kind of view it as like, well, is a cleric always going to meet meet an avatar of their god? Like, not necessarily. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely so, not. It, it's no. it's basically along the lines of like, you, your interaction with your patron is that through its through its um you know omniscience and you know uh, grand power, whatever you're doing is feeding into its goals in many like subtle butterfly flap ways. So it doesn't have to be on your ass all the time unless you like you actively attempt to defy it. Like that is a perfectly valid way to run a warlock pack. Um, but I, I, ha- I was having a thought and it sort of ties in more to the, uh, the, the core of the topic here. Yeah, sure. Something that I always think about in terms of buffer LARPs is so when you hear about something that someone else went and did mm-hmm. and they, they go and they describe it and they say, oh, we were in a big dark cave and we fought a bunch of like hell rats and blah, 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 blah. When you think about it in your head, do you see the dark, spooky cave or you, do you think of the module building that the, you know they went to? Usually I go with the cave. Yeah, exactly. Now, for if they describe to me something wacky happening, I will like eventually be like, how did they represent that? Yeah, like, exactly. But, but something happened or like, because I'm But in the moment, in the story. Yeah. When I'm. I always think about, because, because they're like, when you, when you go to a module building, you construct that image in your head. You say, okay, this is what they're going for based on the, you know, short little bit of box text and the set dressing that they've put here. But, you know, you're always going to be in that, you know, that barracks or that cabin. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the moment, but retroactively, when you tell the story and when you think about it, you have the opportunity to, you know, green screen in, in your head, right? What was supposed to be there? I'm a little, I'm a little different than you two because I would, I, this is about to be a very weird statement, but maybe my sense of, sense of um, suspension of disbelief is not as readily strong or it's a different way of looking at it but when people tell me a story in a larp about a larp my brain actually goes almost immediately to the physical location that they were likely at the the people they were fighting like i understand sort of the narrative conceits and sort of like oh and i'll I'll react accordingly but i don't see it as like a fantasy an imagination of fantasy in my head i try to construct what actually was going on all right, Matt. Well, we're going to fix that. I want you to open your uh, the uh, cat the drawer to your right. There's about ten grams of dried mushrooms in there. <laughs> I just need you to eat them all right now. And Ryan and I are going to take you on a journey, and we're going to fix your imagination. We're going to take you to imagination land, and you'll never feel the same. <laughs> we're going to we're fixing it. No, obviously, I do. I can obviously imagine like something more grandiose, and that. And when I'm in the moment. Obviously, I'm trying to be in the moment, so I react to things as as much as I can without like losing my sense of reality. Mm-hmm. But my brain always is where I'm at. You and don't so, reactively immediately put the you don't you don't put the fantasy uh, reactively put up the fantasy painting. Yeah, but that's only at LARPing. When I'm at table, you you both have role played with me. When mm-hmm. I put the table, you know I have a very vivid imagination of how something could be described and looks right. Yep. I, absolutely you do you yeah do. and so it's like it's not that i do not have that it's just with larping but with buffer larping 
Maybe it's just in the nature of me being in the moment, but I feel like I need or to. Or maybe your first LARPing experiences were so hollow and crappy that <laughs> they, they didn't train you to do that. Uh, you're not entirely wrong. I won't like, won't maybe, say you're entirely right either. Maybe my, because my 10 years of LARPing has been a never ending roller coaster of people putting in a lot of effort to to really like suck my shit into the moment. And I'm always like, oh, wow, what a mystical adventure we're on. Well, oh, okay, I actually know I, if we want to psychoanalyze my situation. Absolutely. Let's make this what it's about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, no, um, a lot of my early LARPing was done by people who very vehemently believed in what you see is what you get. Ah. So props were, were trying to be as A-grade as possible what you were interacting with was actually there. Like, so a lot of my early years was a lot about you've got to do it. It is what is in front of you. If it's a physical puzzle, it's a physical puzzle. If somebody was like, oh, I'm a scary monster, they looked like a horrifying monster. Like, there was a lot less uh, of, I had to do a lot less work in my head imagining what it was because it was right in front of me. I mean, I think that the games that, that we, we all played together did as best as we could with that sort of thing. Yeah, uh, in, in no fault to how the quality of, of what was those games, like the FOD games and all that in Fractured, those were very high quality narrative stories. The games I were, the games I started with before you guys had good stories, but I wasn't really involved in a story. What I was there is to fight and to experience the situation. And mm -hmm. because of that, they put even more effort into the props and everything else. And I, I can see why if you're running, um, if you're running a big game like Legends or Solar yeah. or something, that you would probably want to put a lot of effort into how the monsters look because there is a very real opportunity that that is the only aspect of mm -hmm. your game that certain players will ever experience. Mm -hmm. Well, that, that actually harkens back to something that I was, I was just sort of musing on a couple of days, uh, you know, particularly in, in relation to, to LARP and role-playing is that, you know, this, this might, uh, you know, display my bias here, but I, I think story is the most important thing. Uh, you know, you're the, the, the mechanics and the, you know, the, the, the way they're, those are important, but they're, I think that they have they are subservient to story in that in order to be truly engaging and fun, the mechanics have to arise from the story. Well, the story the story has to happen at some point for sure, but there can just be times when the mechanics are the thing that are making me have a good time. That that is true, but you know, when when you're talking about things like, you know, the concept of mechanics as metaphor, when the when the mechanics are helping to tell the story and are sort of working in harmony with the story, that's going to be a better time than at least for me than just pure math rockery. You are 100% correct, but no, and especially in buffer larping, what comes first, the story or the mechanics? Generally, when you're when you're coming up with a game like a waffle LARP, it's probably some of the story, but also the mechanics. That's the first thing you sort of start encountering. And sometimes, and as the game goes, unless the mechanics change, your story sometimes gets limited by the mechanics. True, but you wrote, if you made your system poorly, if you made your system poorly, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. All that if, extensibility. Yeah, I mean, like that's. I'll put up the examples, the 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 Forest of Doors and Fractured style games versus like Amp Guard. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. We will, we will be splitting hairs until there are two moons in the sky. If, if we keep trying to like dissect exactly where what, everything where, is, uh, where that line is. Yeah. I think they serve each other beautiful. I think story yeah. and machinery, they got to serve each other beautifully. But I do think that you're actually, uh, for the most part, um, <laughs> let's see, going back to the example of how like the story was the important thing in that, like that one memory mm-hmm. I just brought up of me and yeah. Andrew just having to fight 60 guys. It wasn't me having to fight 60 guys. It was the same five guys 10 times. Yeah. One. It actually did come out of the story because we were heartily and wholly disinterested in the story <laughs> like that yeah. was happening around us we were actively rejecting the story that was we were rejecting told. the story and made our own yeah. and thankfully for some reason plot was very nice to us about it yeah indeed i mean that that is you know part and parcel of it i mean that kind of goes back to the sort of collaborative nature of you know you can you, you as a game master or as a game runner can only contribute so much you know if if your players aren't there contributing to the story in their own way then it's it's going to be a you know it's going to be a dog and pony show and it's not going to be sort of the back and forth then you have two npcs arguing over the fate of the world yeah that's uh, dumb (laughs) (laughs) avoid that whenever possible yeah but that's just like some musings i had about like the nature of what a story is the expectations that a gm or storyteller however you want to define it the person running the game needs to probably come armed with when they are getting into a game is this you may have the idea and and i am i am completely at fault for this scott you were part of my exalted game for a vast mm-hmm. majority of it i f- was flawed because i had an idea of what i wanted to say in my story and i think i did a detriment to the game because i was less flexible about it and i wanted to do a certain thing i acknowledge that in hindsight and i just thought but i always, but even me nowadays i get caught in the trap of oh, this is the story I want to tell. This is the story I'm trying to say. And really, the story is just the, 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 the a- everything in aggregate after the fact. It's not necessarily what's going on in the moment or anything I have planned or anything that a player has planned. It's like, yeah, that could work, but that's just a point in the story. It's not the whole story. It's not what you're getting out of it. Yeah, so, I mean, the way I kind of look at it, I mean, I used to make the joke. It's like, hey, if you have a, a story to tell, write a book, buddy. Yeah. Uh, but really where I'm at these days is it's okay as a GM to have like, there are five things that I want to happen mm-hmm. over the course of the next year and a half of running this game. Five, just five things. Those five things will happen, whether they like it or not. How they react to them, that's up to them. Mm. And, you know, everything else, that's up to them. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think, I think, and of course, the, the more loose you are with your sort of like the how things happen and, and when oh, they yeah. happen. I don't care where they happen, but this scene will play out. It <laughs> yeah, could be it, underground. It, just, it could be in the sky. It could, you know, yeah, a, a you lizard it could be there. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, because, you know, you're, you're ultimately in control of, you know, the, you know, you give, a, give the players left and right. And, you know, oh, one one path is the deadly trap and the other trap path is the forest of wood nymphs. You can well, just say, oh, it was nymph time. It, yeah, it was left left all along. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, in this um, moving the conversation slightly, uh, this also can apply to players and their characters, because if you come to the table with I have this character, this is the story I want to tell with this character. 
Well, that's that boy. Howdy. Does that usually cause more problems than it's worth? Yes. Uh, that's why I wanted to sort of point that out and sort of prime it. Like there's also the idea that just because you have a character and they are sacred to you in this, you have a story you want to tell. It doesn't necessarily mean that's the story, that exact story that you have in your head will be told. That's the whole concept of why don't you go write a book? If mm -hmm. that's really what you want. Oh, well, well, well that like, quadruples down if you're a pc <laughs> oh yeah who, has, who walks into someone else's like storytelling trying to tell your like demand your own story it's like demanding game developers make games with easy modes it's like no son <laughs> no. The, the, i i am i'm confident enough to start talking about this here is that that's actually as, as much as i lord the retirement systems and a lot of larps that we have played in the long term, it, it's still it's still viable. You should do it, but I can see some of that toxicity in the long term can happen because people are like, well, I will get to the retirement point, and I will tell this story, and it's like you may get to tell the part of that story because that's part of those well part of the game is you don't know it's the unknown. When I say, and you know, going back to when I say like these five things, these five things are like a six word sentence yeah. that isn't, I become God and kill everyone, obviously. <laughs> but like, if, if, if the story you want to tell has like, here's like a very abstract beat that I'd like to hit. It's like, well, that's just a healthy way to do it because an abstract beat you can apply in lots of different situations, or you can find a way to make, make it work. Mm -hmm. Or you could just talk to your GM. Mm -hmm. Indeed. And, and and be accommodating to their feedback if they have any about like hey i'm playing this this character like i i have a problem with my like i have like a sibling it's like i have a problem with my sibling in this story i want to deal with that problem with the sibling eventually it's like okay that's Rad. something you can work with totally no problem i i think it goes back to one of my old like fallback adages of you know always always play the character don't play the character concept yeah yeah right oh yep. oh my god yep, yep. uh because the character is something that develops organically as a part of play mm -hmm. the character concept is a thing that you wrote before you rolled dice one that would that be is, your spreadsheet that, that, yeah. yeah it's the blueprint of the character it is mm -hmm. just the sketch outline of I it know, i know you're not, I said you're not building times. you're, you're oh, not sorry. building a house yeah <laughs> like you don't have to follow the blueprint or you won't be up to code i have been introduced <laughs> to many character concepts to which my only reply has been over the last 10 years yeah, try to do that for a whole weekend. See how you like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, your environment will vary depending on what you want to do. But even concepts at tabletop can be too extreme for the table or too off the wall well, for the ne table. Never, un never underestimate the power. Like, it's all cool to say you're going to be a character that does X, but the social pressure of having everyone else at the table think you fucking suck <laughs> might change your mind. Uh, shame is a thing. That's all I'm gonna say. It's not always a bad thing. Nope. You should feel shame sometimes. Yeah, it's it's okay. It's Look, okay. El Elric Kitneater is a shining snowflake, and I will play him as Elric Kitneater, and he will eat kittens. That's <laughs> and great. There's nothing we can we do are to not stop playing you with you now. <laughs> but I will comment upon it every chance I get, <laughs> and tell and, people that you're insane. And as the GM, I'd be like. You are cool with all the consequences that will be levied upon you for doing such. So, right? As long as no, because the the kitten eater family is very powerful, <laughs> and I can 
Oh, your dad owns a dealership. I <laughs> <see>. okay, excellent. <laughs> excellent. Got it. Yeah. So that's what I wanted to talk about. Sort of like the idea of storytelling in looking at the, 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 the whole of this true story, capital S story is not at the moment in it's, and it's generally only formed after the fact, same with characters and character concepts. You start with something, but the character is not really fully formed until almost the end as it were. And then looking back, you see what the arc of the character really was. And then of course, uh, you know, if you're a, if you're a rich LA person, uh, you can have a graphic novel or a um, multi-million dollar animated series made after out of your story. <laughs> or always that. just three brothers from West Virginia yeah. <laughs> who played D&D with their dad because they really didn't get to hang out much. And some somehow now Matt Mercer runs games for them. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh, the McElroy brothers. How did you Save how some did success you for the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know what they're going to do now that Yahoo Answers is gone. <laughs> oh, no. So from everywhere here at Polyhedron, go where your fun is. Go roll some dice. Hello, everyone. Matthew here. If you enjoyed the show, you can always contact us at polyhedronpodcast at gmail.com, as well as at polyhedroncast on Twitter. And if you want to get in touch with me, I'm at Divis Melkab on Twitter. And I'm at Arjuus, R-J-U-O-U-S on Twitter. And if you really want to show your support and get some extra content on the side, head on over to patreon.com slash polyhedron.